22nd verse. Glory to you, O Lord. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those involved were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. My friends, let's spend some time with Paul this morning as he gives us what I think are some of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. He will go on to write about praying instead of worrying, giving thanks, peace, keeping our minds on what is worthy, all good things. But for this morning, these two verses, rejoice in the Lord always and let your gentleness be known. But first, let's pause for a moment simply to remember who we are. We are people who, by God's grace, have been given a great privilege to be in relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are people for whom he died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We are people to whom he made a promise before he went to the cross to send us the Holy Spirit to abide with us forever and always. He promised I am with you always to the end of the age. We are people who, by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, have the privilege and the blessing of walking through this life in genuine fellowship with Jesus Christ. Our Lord and our God is also our companion and friend with us always and everywhere. That is who we are. So what does that look like? Paul says, in part, it looks like joy and gentleness. 
we begin with joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And to make sure we get the point, Paul adds, again, I will say, rejoice. Really, Paul? Clearly, he didn't know about 2020. We may not feel like rejoicing in a time of global pandemic and racial inequality and unrest, a time when so many are in need, when politics are contentious, a time of fires and hurricanes and floods. How could Paul tell us to rejoice? Well, he must have been in a good and happy place in his own life, right? Well, no. It is important to remember that when Paul wrote about joy, he was sitting in a prison cell, possibly awaiting execution. He did not know whether he would live or die, yet he did know joy. He himself was living out exactly what he was urging the believers in Philippi to do, rejoice. But what does he mean by that? He is not talking about mere happiness. Now, sometimes we use the words joy and happiness in pretty much the same way, but Paul is talking about something different. Happiness is our natural reaction to pleasant circumstances, and may we have much happiness in our lives. But joy, joy is a deep inner state that continues to exist in us even in hard times. Further, this deep joy helps us through the hard times. Remember when Jesus said, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. This is joy that we hold on to even in times of hardship. We all experience trials and difficulties and problems in this life that make us unhappy, maybe especially now, and there is nothing wrong with feeling unhappy in such situations. But as Christians, we can still rejoice deep in our souls, even when we are hurting. We aren't rejoicing in circumstances. We are rejoicing, as Paul says, in the Lord. And when we, are, and when we hold tight to our joy in Him and His faithfulness to this hurting world, then it is easier for us to see the good and the blessings that God is creating even now. We are people who belong to the Lord. For us, he gave up the bliss of heaven and came down. Think of his teaching and healing. Think of Gethsemane. Think of Calvary. He embraced the cross for us and for our salvation. Savior, friend, constant companion, he is our joy. In all the changing circumstances of life, Jesus and his love for us is the one great unchanging certainty. We are people who belong to him eternally. We rejoice in him and in his care for this world with a joy that cannot be taken away. In fact, some scholars say this joy Paul is talking about is not our joy at all. Rather, it is the Lord's own joy lived out in us by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Remember when the Lord said in John, I have said these things to you 
so that my joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What a beautiful thing this is. The Savior's own joy is deep within you. This is how tenderly he loves and cares for you. So, as people who are rejoicing in the Lord with the Lord's own joy in us, then let's be mean and rude and impatient and grouchy and quarrelsome toward other people. No, wait, that's not it. Rejoice, Paul says, and let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Now, this word for gentleness used here is very interesting. It's rarely used, and apparently it's not easy to translate. In fact, one commentator says, Paul made this word up to communicate a truly unique attitude that only the Holy Spirit can produce in us. This word is translated in many different ways in various Bibles as gentleness, mildness, moderation, courteousness, clemency, patience, and softness, to name just a few. Are you beginning to get a sense of it? And one word alone doesn't seem enough to translate its full meaning. So the scholars flesh it out by saying it's an attitude of sweet reasonableness or having a considerate and forbearing spirit or being ready to forgive injury or exercising temperance and self-restraint in relating to others and not needing to defend oneself at every turn. William Barclay says this gentleness has in it a sense of justice fused with enough understanding and mercy to make a person more like God, who is so merciful to us. So, Paul says, let all of that, let your gentleness, be known to everyone. Yes, we might be thinking, the world needs more gentleness. I need more gentleness. But let it be known to everyone? This is where it gets a bit tough, doesn't it? One commentator in a rather exasperating way said, I can be sweetly reasonable to people who are sweetly reasonable to me. I can be gentle to those who are gentle toward me. But Paul urges us to let our gentleness be known to everyone, the reasonable and the unreasonable, the gentle and the harsh, the lovable and the unlovable. As Jesus has taught us, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who persecute you. He didn't say it was going to be easy. Remember when, in a MASH episode, Frank Burns said, it's nice to be nice to the nice? Well, it's not going to make much of an impression on the world if Christians are nice to the nice. But if by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we could show our gentleness to everyone, that might show the world that a loving and gentle Savior is near. The Savior who is our gentleness teacher. We see many different aspects and images of Jesus in the scriptures, to be sure. But have you noticed how often we are shown his gentleness? 
He had a compassion for people who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Hurting people were drawn to him like lepers who most people would not even acknowledge. But Jesus would gently touch them and heal them. Little children whom the disciples simply wanted to be rid of, Jesus gently welcomed and blessed. Think of Palm Sunday when Jesus did not enter Jerusalem in power, but rather gentle and riding on a donkey. From the cross, Jesus was gentle as he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus was even gentle after his resurrection when he entered the locked room of his terrified disciples who had fled in his darkest hour and tenderly said to them, Peace be with you. Come to me, he still invites us today. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. As someone observed, Jesus did not say, learn from me for I'm intense, or learn from me for I am overbearing, or learn from me for I'm intimidating. He said, learn from me for I am gentle. My friends, people of God, we have before us today joy and gentleness. And I pray that we will hold on to the deep joy that comes from belonging to the Lord, the joy that transcends all the hardships of life. And if we are yearning for a gentler world, then I pray that we may be gentle with one another and with everyone, learning from our Savior, who calls us his own, who is always, always near. In the name of Jesus. Amen.